so much for joining us. Hi, Flame. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Fandom. Oh my gosh, our first episode is here. <laughs> After four long days of anticipation. It's, it's been ages. <laughs> I'm so excited that we're finally airing this. Um, we're recording this less than a week into the idea's birth, so... Thank you to everybody already who is so into Potscast. Um, thank you to everybody who has made this such an overwhelmingly joyful and honoring week. I've just been ba- bathing in love and excitement and anticipation all week. It's it's unbelievable. Every time I open up my Discord, there's somebody else telling us they're excited about this. And my the Tumblr is nuts. Thank you to everybody who has retweeted, reblogged, DM'd one of us. I've even gotten a few WhatsApps. Like, whoa! I know it's really um, overwhelmingly joyful. So, thank you so much, guys. Let's say that first off. It doesn't just make it fun for us to experience that, but it's also so exciting to be able to be giving people something that hopefully they they really want. Exactly. I mean, I write fan fiction to. Oh, for a whole lot of reasons, I'm sure you do too, but one of them is to give back to a community that has given me so much. Oh, absolutely. I, I, my policy is always, if, if one of my stories makes one person's day, then it was totally worth the effort I put into it. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. So for this podcast, if it made your day, then it was worth it to us. (laughs) And we would love in the spirit of AO3, if you would let us know. First of all, we need to thank Elle from the POTS Discord server. Oh, we're saying POTS a lot. We should define that. POTS is put on the suit server, which is a large stony server. And we are POTS cast because we are pod on the suit, which came from Elle. So thanks so much for that. We love a pun here at POTS cast. It, will, it, will be, it won't be the first. It won't be the last. No, no, not at all. But we do want to, uh, we are always about proper credit here in fandom. So thank, thank you, Elle, for that. Each episode, we're going to feature one of the amazing, talented artists in our fandom, using one of their pieces as our cover art. You can see the art on our website and social media. Huge thank you to Taste Like Coconut for being our first cover artist. Her piece, Octotony, is featured everywhere you can find this podcast, and look below or next to it for links to her social media and coffee. Thanks, Coconut! And thank you to the rest of the server for all the other ideas, contributions, names for things. There's so much that we can't even begin to go down the whole list, but it's this has been a community-born project. Absolutely. You should see our Google Drive. It is like, um, all we're trying to do right now is wrangle all of the ideas you have all given us into an organization that makes sense. And that inspired us for the theme for our first episode, which is community. We're going to start... really expanding a little bit on why we love this thing so much because fundamentally when ferret and i were talking when you drill it down we are here for the people um not only for as i always call the muppets we write about but (laughs) the people we interact with uh so we're gonna one of the first people that we're gonna chat to about that actually is one of the biggest names in stony fandom we're gonna be talking to saber i had the absolute joy of chatting with her so we'll talk to that in a little bit but then Barrett and I are going to get into what for us is the best way to community right now, which is Discord. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a conversation about that. And then in terms of engagement, one of the most interesting fix we've seen recently in using different media and having different kind of ways to tell the stories that we all love um, is a fix by a wonderful writer named Candy Sheik. And we're going to be talking about that at the end of this, at the end of the pod. 
And then right before we sign off, we're going to have some quick little mini segments. We're going to talk a bit about my competition trope off that I've been running on Twitter. We're going to get our events forecast from our events forecaster, Marie Shipsall. And um, yeah, a little bit about uh, where we'd like this to go and what you can do to get involved. Yeah, because you have to get involved. This is, we're going to get to the point where we, un- we want you to all understand this is an expectation. <laughs> we need, we, we don't just need the feedback for ourselves. This podcast is going to thrive on everything that you contribute to it. Yeah, this is your Steve and Tony centric podcast and we want to make sure it stays that way. This can hopefully not just be our two voices, but hundreds and maybe thousands of voices. Yes, absolutely. So let's get started. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to be here. Well, I mean, it, we're going to start conversations about the incredible fandom of Stony. We've got to start with uh, with you, to be honest. So, <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know about that, but I will take it. <laughs> well, as we as I kind of open with that, like I would love to hear your fandom story. Like, how did you get into it? Also, why the name? I'm hoping it has something to do with a lightsaber, but I could be wrong. So, what's what's <laughs> going does. on? Your, your guess is correct. Um, this has been my pseudonym, email, whatever, which I maybe probably shouldn't tell people, but um, it has been there since I first had my AOL account. Um, back when I was, I believe, 18, um, right when I first went off to college and the internet started uh, right around that time, started to be available, you know, in your home, um, we had to pick sign-ons. And I chose that because of lightsaber. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And so I chose Saber. Um, CMC are my initials. I spelled Saber weirdly because I was a pretentious college student at the time. And that has haunted me ever since. And so there's been a lot of mispronunciations of what that name's supposed to be. I say it in my head as Saber CMC. Most people seem to call me Saber, which is fine. Um, but it's it's just been mine forever. And it, it's what I use for just about everything in some version or another. So, um, so that was where the name came from. Um, as far as my fandom origin story, I guess, as you would call it, um, I... You know, I had always liked the Marvel movies, really enjoyed Iron Man and, you know, had liked watching them, but had never really gotten into fandom at that point. Um, Probably the first fandom I was in was X-Files, which was one of the first big internet fandoms and really helped in a lot of ways get the whole idea of internet fandom going. Um, But then after after that kind of fell out of the way, I never really got super into another fandom. Life happened. I was in law school and then I was a young lawyer and then I was a mom and, you know, just, I wasn't involved with fandom really with any depth. I was, I read fan fiction from time to time, but didn't actually go participate in fandom. Um, and then in two, 2014, uh, I moved from Florida back to Texas for a job related reasons. And at the time my daughter was finishing her school year, uh, still in Florida. So she was living with my parents, finishing out the last about month and a half or so of her school year. Uh, So I was out here by myself living in a little studio apartment. My mom had been diagnosed with breast cancer at the time and was 
getting ready to go through surgery and treatment and all that. Uh, so there was just a lot of life stuff happening. And I think, you know, like a lot of people probably, you know, I was looking for something, a, a distraction, some sense of community and <clears throat> belonging and connection. You know, I just, I felt very isolated being out here by myself without my daughter and with just everything that my family was going through at the time. I think I was kind of just looking for something so that the timing happened to be serendipitous, I guess. Um, and that was when uh, the Winter Soldier came out. Which, ah, ah. I, I just, I, I think I saw the movie like seven times in theater. I just, I loved it. And um, I, you know, again, it was just kind of that connection moment and the, the right time in my life and the right media coming at me. And so I went online and was initially actually looking at uh, Steve and Natasha stuff. And because of course, Tony wasn't even in the movie, it, it didn't really occur to me. So I happened to be watching some fan videos and one of them was a fan video by Anne Tu Hu, who is also Stark Spangled Lovers and wrote Say When and all of that. Um, she does amazing fan videos. And of course, hers was a Stony fan video. And I was like, just falling into the rabbit hole of, oh, wow, this, this is what I'm looking for. This is the, you know, the passion and just the the spark and you know it was just everything all of a sudden clicked and of course I, I you know I liked Robert Downey Jr. I thought he was great and all of that but it, it really that was what initially drew me in so I always kind of laugh and say that I'm the only person who walked out of the Winter Soldier and ended up a Stony shipper but that's how it worked and you know I watched a ton of fan videos a whole bunch of them and then said to myself, you know, self, I wonder if people have maybe written fan fiction about this. Let me go look. <laughs> and as it turned out, they had. Um, and, you know, I got to learn about like this whole history in the comics, which I had no idea about. Uh, but it, it meant that there was a lot to work with already. So there was already a vibrant community to sort of just fall into. And, you know, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved what I was reading, the level of fiction that was already out there was amazing and you know so it I just spent that whole summer basically setting up my house out here and reading stony fan fiction that was it I don't think I did anything else <laughs> so, so that was how I came to the ship originally I mean there are worse ways to spend a summer like right yeah definitely um, uh, so I feel that so what was the first fic you wrote the first fic I wrote was one called Poster Child, which is about uh, Tony jerking himself off to a poster of Steve. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, very highbrow. Um, really, you know, went for the art there. Um, but basically, it was just because I'd read about that in a few different fics that had mentioned it, but I couldn't find the fic that actually had that. So, you know, in the spirit of be the thing you want to see in the world, I thought, well, I'm going to try this. And I had not written any fiction in 20 years. Um, the last time I wrote, I was 39 um, when I wrote Poster Child. And seriously, the last fiction I'd written, I was 19, um, which had been a Star Wars fiction. Um, and then, you know, but I just decided to try it. I don't know. And I thought to myself, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, people don't like it and I'll just delete it. 
And I said to myself, if I get 50 kudos, then I'm going to be super happy and super proud of myself. I will have done something. I will have contributed. You know, so many people have made me happy with their writing. And, you know, this will be a little way to give back. And, you know, that in my mind, that was going to be it. It was going to be a one shot, just one thing. And I was done. And obviously that <laughs> did not quite work out, um, you know, because as I'm sure you know, once you start and you you get that interaction and that validation and, you know, it just feels so wonderful. It's just, it's so fulfilling. And so it, you know, people liked it and were so nice about it and wanted more. And I am by nature a people pleaser. So when people said, hey, you should, you know, make this longer. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I did. And, you know, it ended up, I think, being something like six chapters. Um, and, you know, I just really had fun. It was just such a positive experience. And then, of course, once you have one idea, you kind of start getting others. And they, these plot bunnies just multiply. And then, you know, so there was another idea. And I thought, well, I could write that real quick. I'll just do this one, just this one. And wrote that. And then, you know, the next one comes. And the next one comes. And it just sort of picked up steam as it went. Um, and, in fact, I wasn't on Tumblr. I had actually had no idea that Tumblr existed. Um, another writer named Winterstar reached out to me in a comment one time and said, hey, you should be on Tumblr. And so I was like, okay, let me go figure out what this is. Um, and started a Tumblr account sometime after that. And uh, I've been lurking around ever since. It's funny, like it almost, I talk about fandom as emotional Pringles. Like, yeah, <laughs> like once you pop, you cannot stop. Like, it's, it's just, true. yeah. I mean, I came in very recently. I'm not even a year into this fandom and I experienced something very similar. So that really resonates with me. I'm sure it does with a lot of other folks. Um, but in thinking about your, your, your fandom, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is when I entered the fandom back right after Endgame, because things needed to get fixed. And that's why right. I came. Um, I was very sure I was never, ever going to read Alpha, Beta, Omega ever because <clears throat> yeah. I just didn't understand it and I didn't get it. And so let me just tell listeners right here, I'm going to start to ask Saber about her very, very famous work, Celestial Navigation, um, which for some folks may may veer into um, some not safe for work territory that they might not want to hear. So we'll let you know when we're back um, into talking about some other fandom stuff, just a heads up for listeners. Um, I... But I, everyone that I kept finding on Tumblr, because um, I didn't really know what to do, but I knew how to Google stony fan fiction, um, <laughs> right. kept talking about this massive work, Celestial Navigation. And so I downloaded it for a vacation um, and read it, uh, stayed up all night on a plane flight and read it. Um, wow. And then quickly discovered that it has spawned its own fan works, which you are kind enough to be yes. seemingly happy about. Um, so I'd love to hear. I'm a thrilled. Bit. I think it's amazing. <laughs> That's so, I mean, clearly part of the history of fandom though is creators not being okay with other people playing in their worlds. So yeah. um, it's still really, I find it very kind and very generous. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about the, how you plotted Celestial Navigation and then were you surprised by the reception of it? Are you still surprised? I am surprised. Um, it really, writing it, you know, initially it was just a thank you fic. It was going to be a one shot. Um, actually, Ferret was the one who 
suggested the prompt for Omega Tony and bless her. That was all that she prompted. I, I like prompts that are very broad. Um, and I had wanted to, I'd had this idea of doing kind of an, a take on arranged marriage. I wanted to do an ABO fic that sort of took it seriously and really looked at, okay, well, if we had this world, what would it really look like? Because a lot of what I had read up until that point was basically porn. Um, and, you know, the ABO thing was a lot of times used as a way to sort of get more animalistic feelings, not really have to deal with consent a lot. And there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy that stuff. But I had this idea that I was going to try it a little differently and just see what happened if I really took this seriously and said, what would this world look like? What if it really didn't look that different? You know, and what if really a lot of things that end up applying to women in our world were applied to Omegas and particularly to Tony, who, you know, we know as this smart, strong, capable, you know, brave hero. What if those things had been applied to him his whole life? What would that look like? And so that was the all this stuff in my head, but initially it was just going to be a one shot, and that one shot ended up kind of being a two shot. It got spread out over two chapters because, shockingly, it just got long. Um, and then I had planned to end it there, but I got just so many comments on it and so many people wanting more that I decided to keep going. And of course, initially in my head, it was going to be. 80k because I always think it's going to be 80k and I'm consistently absolutely wrong about that but yet my brain still says it's about 80k um so anyway got going and you know it, as far as plot uh I will have to admit that I am not the best about plotting something out from the beginning I kind of just go with it and see what happens and as I go I do better about plotting it out, keeping notes in my phone, making an outline, that kind of thing. It, it sort of develops over time. But I didn't initially have any plot beyond Tony and Steve up in a sort of arranged marriage situation and have to figure things out. That was basically it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it just kind of took off in a way that I had never anticipated. Um, I, I started to get all of these comments that were so thoughtful and so personal, you know, because people really recognized, I think, a lot of the things in the story from their lives, and we're seeing it in a slightly different way, because it was being applied to Tony, who, again, we just sort of have our preconceived notions of this character. So when you see some of these things aimed at him and him having to deal with it, it seems super wrong in a way that I think we don't always recognize you know, I mean, obviously we know some things in life are wrong, you know, when they're, when they happen to women, but then there are some subtle little things that we miss a lot of the time because it's, they're just ubiquitous. They're, they're everywhere. And so I, it, it was really just very humbling to read all of these comments from people who, you know, were really feeling this fic on a deeper level than I ever would have thought initially from, you know, just a fic. Um, so yeah, so it kind of became its own thing. And as I went, um, that was both a good thing and a bad thing in, in some ways. I mean, I loved it. I loved the feedback. I loved how interested people were. It became a lot of pressure. And I will tell you that when I finished it, 
I was so relieved to be done because that last chapter, I knew how I wanted to end it. I knew that the ending was going to be a little bittersweet. They weren't going to end up perfectly happy the way a lot of people seemed to want. And so I wasn't sure what the reception was going to be for that. But I remembered reading, you know, one of those kind of writing advice things. And one of the the things that it talked about was that sometimes the most satisfying endings are, are not always the ones where everything's where it, it doesn't, it ends on a happy note. They've won, but it does, there is that kind of bittersweetness to it. And so that was sort of what I was going for with the epilogue in particular. Um, but just being done with that because there have been so many asks on Tumblr, when is the final chapter coming out? When is the final chapter coming out? And so finally finishing it and feeling like I had kind of achieved what I wanted with it, that I was happy with where it ended up was, that was a lot of pressure and, you know, making people happy because they had followed along for so long and you, you know, you don't want to whiff it at the end. I mean, so many times I walk away from some piece of media and I, I'm so happy with, you know, 90% of it. And then they get to the end and it just falls apart. And that can take away so much. And so there was, or I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to try to not do to want to end it on a, a little bit of a wistful note. And I wasn't sure how that was going to be received. Um, luckily, it seemed like people responded to it, you know, and that was great. And it was, it was wonderful. But uh, I swore, of course, at that time that I was never going to write another long fic again. Nope, that was just not going to happen. Um, of course, we all know that didn't work, but it was exhausting. I'm not going to lie. It was a wonderful experience and super just validating as a, as a writer, as a, a person um, to, you know, have so many re people respond to it like that but it was also super exhausting and so by the end I was just like I'm done I'm not doing that ever again we're gonna stick to one shot and yeah of course that didn't work out but uh but I did take a, a little break from writing long thick for a while and you know I don't think I'll ever write anything that's received the way celestial navigation was except I guess Steve's point of view now um but for whatever reason that just seemed to strike a chord with readers and you know, I'm, I'm just forever grateful that it did. I mean, it, it has really been an amazing experience and fandom to have something like that that means so much to people. And people, you know, it really does seem to mean a lot to them. And that's just this amazing, humbling, wonderful thing to feel like I've contributed something like that. I mean, I can only imagine... Um... I like you articulate it perfectly, which doesn't surprise me. Um, but the idea that it can be that we can create landmarks in our own fandom, um, that we aren't just reliant on the commercialized narrative of canon. Um, but I think, I mean, Celestial Navigation is, if not one of the, if not the first Omega Tony masterwork, it's certainly one of the first. Um, and arguably one of the only true encompassing kind of things. And I find a lot of tropes now with Omega Tony, I can find them back in Celestial Navigation. Um, and I know when I write him, <laughs> there are times <laughs> I think about Joshua and the, and uh, how he's, how he named Jericho in your world and what that looked like. Uh, <laughs> 
So that's great. On the off side of, you know, one of the reasons that ABO fix are interesting to me personally is the idea of MPREG, which I know doesn't come from us. I think it comes from, I think it comes from Star Trek, like way, way, way back in the day. Um, and Probably I Probably everything has its origin in Star Trek somehow and then kind of made its way through Supernatural at some point. Yeah, I think like the thread line, I was reading, a, I'm reading a, an academic book right now and the thread line is Sherlock Holmes to Star Trek to Supernatural on a lot <laughs> of about right yeah with brief detours into Buffy and Harry Potter but um yeah but so one of the things that uh, folks who are on the pot server um on discord which there will be links about that and we're going to get into a discord conversation later in this particular podcast um we talk a lot about eggs on that server um and just wondering about conversations and thoughts on is a big part of being of writing and thinking about Omega Tony, the I, even encrypted fix and your Octo Tony and everything else is part of that for you thinking about fertility. In some ways, I suppose it it is entangled in that because when you're thinking about an AO world, um, you know, of course, one of the reasons that women or in this case Omegas have so many things to deal with is because they're the ones who bear and raise the children in most situations. So, you know, that all plays into it. I don't typically write actual impreg. Um, for one reason, I've never been pregnant. My daughter is adopted. Um, so it's, it's just a lack of knowledge, a lack of real connection to it. I'm not quite sure how I would do that. So there's a you know, for me, a little bit of an intimidation factor with trying to write that and make it seem at all realistic in any way. Um, so, but I do, you know, I do think that the whole idea of fertility is, you know, it has to be connected to those tropes because that's just a part of how we got to where we are with all of these stereotypes and prejudices and, you know, other things that we deal with. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm really interested in the idea of like how writers talk about stuff like slick and things like that with omegas. Yeah. And all of the things at the beginning of, of uh, you know, because we don't have an agreed upon omega verse as writers, which I love, but we all have those little things at the top of the author's notes that are like, hey, in this one, it acts like a period. In this one, it, you know, um, right. as we all try to figure it out, but we all have to, I, I personally like that it makes us it makes us ask these questions because you're right. I mean, fertility is one of the reasons that historically women have been and people who um, have periods, especially and people who bear or don't bear and, and things like that have been the way they are. So I'm going to be really interested as more and more writers, uh, trans writers and people who are addressing trans issues dip into ABO fix um, and what that kind of looks like as we kind of explore that. That's just me personally. Yeah, no, I think that that's going to be really interesting. There's so much to do with that. And, you know, you can particularly, I, I think, looking at Steve and his transformation, it just seems to lend itself so easily to those kinds of ideas that I, I am very interested to see what, what people end up doing with it. I know Omega Tony is a lot more popular, but I, I do think that there's a lot of interesting things to be done there with Omega Steve. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, when you look at Celestial Navigation, and, you know, to talk about heat and suppressants. And there's one point in, in the fic where um, Tony's talking to 
a doctor and the doctor tells him, you know, look, I've got to give you the spiel about these suppressants. And, you know, that was taken almost verbatim from some, I can't remember, some Southern state's law about what, you know, they're supposed to tell women about having an abortion, that it, um, you know, raises your risk of breast cancer, which it doesn't. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was taken from that type of statement to, you know, and it, again, it's all about control and, you know, these notions of who gets to make the decisions for the Omega's body and, you know, all of those things that we deal with as women. Um, you know, that I think that that just becomes such an interesting part of setting up your world and, you know, how you're going to deal with that. If you want to deal with that, of course, not all fix want to get into all of that. And that's fine. I love reading, you know, some of those just one shot porn things. <laughs> so nothing wrong with that. But you know, if you are going to deal with it, there are just so many options, as you were saying, you know, for how you want to set up that world. And I, I agree, I love that we are so free and so open with whatever the author wants to do for their world. Really now that it seems like there are more people who are interested in exploring those on, you know, sort of a, a more in-depth level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good pivot point. So folks listening to us know that we're going to stop talking about celestial navigation now and talk a little bit more about the effect of celestial navigation, which is that, uh, Saber, you are a big name fan. Oh, yeah. and I would like to know how that feels. <laughs> life that I would say that I was ever part of the, you know, popular kid crowd. And I don't really, self-perception has always been that I'm, you know, one of the ones on the fringes. I'm, you know, one of the introverts. And so it's, it's a very unusual feeling um, that people know who I am, that, you know, we've had meetups where people come and we all meet up and um, get together and it's all stony fans and stuff. Uh, you know, people ask me questions. It's very weird. And, you know, as I've said on discord to ferret <laughs> in particular that I need, I need somebody to ghost write some of these answers for me because I, I'm not the one with the life experience to really be able to answer some of these things. Um, but it, it is, it's a strange position to be in. It's, it's very gratifying in a way. I won't lie. I mean, it, you know, it is, I mean, everybody wants to be liked. And, and so, yes, that is very, very gratifying in many ways. And, you know, even at the same time, it's weird. Um, I do worry sometimes because, you know, of course, the more popular you get, seems like the more, you know, people like to tear you down. And so there's always kind of that risk reward sort of, thing factoring in my head, you know, what am after me personally, you know, I mean, this is not really the kind of thing I necessarily want to be broadcast about myself. Um, you know, I do try to protect my identity a little bit. Uh, you know, so what if somebody, you know, didn't like a fic and decides to, you know, go do something? Um, you know, so you do kind of start to have those thoughts, which is not a great part of fandom. And I will say, you know, our fandom has overall been wonderful. But, um, you know, thereafter, um, particularly after Civil War, there was some issues. Um, you know, people got 
very, very passionate about their feelings on that one. And, you know, it did kind of occur to me that this could go the wrong way. You know, if somebody who can't really separate, you know, fandom from real life, who, who, you know, decides to really make an issue of things. And, you know, I don't want that. I, I don't want drama in my, my real life. I, this is supposed to be fun. I do this for fun. Um, so I, you know, so there are those concerns. Um, and, you know, there's always people who, of course, you know, aren't going to like me for whatever reason. And that's fine. You know, just like there are, uh, you know, so many actors and, you know, certainly one particular actress that everybody who's been on Tumblr has noticed that I do not like. Um, you know, so it, there's always people who, you know, aren't going to like you and that's okay. Um, just as long as we, we kind of keep it reasonable and not make it personal. Um, I have had to take breaks before where sometimes, you know, it's been a matter of just turning off Anon because, you know, people are obviously a lot more willing to say things on Anon and sometimes I've just needed a break from that. Um, there was a, I took a, a little break from Tumblr and Twitter for a while. Um, got off Discord, just kind of cut myself off for a little while there because there just been a a few comments from people basically talking about um, that, you know, here I was a mom, I was middle-aged and I was writing fic where Tony was barely 18 and, you know, that this was gross. And it, it just, at that time, for whatever reason, it just got to me and I just needed to sort of step back for a little while and get my head straight, which I did. And, you know, then came back, but, you know, there are always those sides of things when you're popular. And it's not that I would necessarily trade it for, you know, try still struggling to find a readership like I did in the beginning, but it is, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's just a part of it. You're a bigger target. So there, there are always those thoughts out there. Well, the idea of target, um, like I know, I mean, we've talked on, the discord server and you've been very open about some of the asks you get in anonymous and how how we all like that we we all kind of talk about how we would handle them you know a lot um but do you yeah. find there's a different type of discourse on tumblr and twitter versus like say discord like do you get to be a different version of saber in the in different spaces yeah i think for me discord is a lot more personal, you know, it feels like we know each other in a way that we don't really get to know each other on Tumblr and Twitter, unless you're communicating, you know, by message or something like that. Um, it, it, the Discord server, it just feels kinder, um, because you do have this more personal connection, I think. Uh, so I, I really feel most comfortable there. On Twitter, I don't really, I've, I've locked my Twitter, so I, I don't, um, you know, I don't follow a whole lot of people, uh, at least not in fandom. And I, I kind of more use Twitter to just follow news and, you know, other non-fandom things. Um, so for me, I, I use Twitter for a little different purpose, even though if you looked at my Twitter, you would just see it's mostly stony stuff that I've reblogged, but I don't actually talk on it a lot. I don't usually post my personal content there. It's mostly just reblogs. Um, and then I do use Tumblr a lot. And that seems to be the way that a lot of people kind of reach out and want to communicate, at least for now. You know, it's certainly changed since the purge. Um, but it is, 
less personal than Discord, and there certainly seems to be more um, of a willingness for people to, you know, say harsh things. And, and but at the same time, you know, there is a lot of people who are really more comfortable reaching out on and on to say wonderful things and, you know, to have that connection that way. So for me personally, Discord's like this happy little place where we all chat and are silly and have fun. And it's really easy and it's easy to be a little bit more free with what I say and not as considered in my responses. Um, Twitter to me seemed very casual. Uh, so I thought that maybe, you know, I could be more casual over there, it could be a little saltier, um, probably a little bit more like I am in real life. And then quickly figured out that no, that is not the place for it. If anything, I think you have to be more careful on Twitter. Um, it's very unforgiving. And, uh, you know, any little thing that you say is suddenly analyzed and picked apart 12 different ways by people. And because you only get so many characters to say it in, you know, it's really hard to capture any kind of nuance in anything. Um, so for me, I, I kind of figured out that Twitter is just not a place that I need to try to express myself very well. And then Tumblr is kind of that in-between land where <laughs> I like it because it gives me the opportunity to interact with people and to really think about the responses that I give um, and try to be considerate and kind and, and put my best self forward. It's probably not really as authentic as Discord, but it gives me an opportunity to be a better version of myself and to try to help people and be kind where I can. And I want to try to do that. So I, I, I do like it for that reason. Um, but Discord is probably a lot closer to how I am in real life. That's interesting. I feel similar. Like for me, Twitter is a very um, fast moving place where, you know, you because like it can be like you're selectively nuanced in a way, but I do like you use the word unforgiving. And for me, it frequently is. Um, so I would agree yeah. with that. But it's also one of the places that, um, like I know I get some DMs and retweets from people who are, for me, it's also a very multi-ship place, which does not matter for you since you are a mono shipper very famously. <laughs> yes. But I like interacting with people for whom like Steve and Tony are their bicycles, you know, which I'm sure, <laughs> um, I'm sure I can do more on Tumblr. Tumblr scares me. I am learning Tumblr. Um, but I do love Discord. I have fallen in love with Discord. And Ferret and I are about to have a conversation, actually, um, in a few minutes on the pod, about Discord as a place to maybe make friends in fandom. Um, AO3 comments are not that place for a lot of reasons, like not necessarily negatively, just like you can't really be private, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but AO3 comments are a great right. place to point people to other places. Um, and I know I always point them to Discord. So in terms of people who are listening to this and they're like, oh, but I'm a lurker or I'm not a writer or I'm really new and I want to make friends. It sounds like you would be with us maybe and recommend Discord. I do. I really, and I've tried to promote it as much as I can on Tumblr and encourage people to give it a try, even if it's something that you're not comfortable interacting with people and you just want to lurk. That's fine. Uh, but I do think that you, you get 
that sense of connection much more directly, or at least I do, um, through Discord, where it feels like there's a real person there as opposed to a Tumblr handle. Um, it just feels far more like a real honest interaction, um, like you're talking to friends. And in a way that can be a little intimidating, I think, for new people to join. But, you know, we have, at least on the MCU one, I think there's over a thousand people now. Uh, so there's plenty of people to talk to if you want to. And, it, you know, it can still feel a little cliquish. Um, you know, that is a, a part of any group. Um, and so there is, I think, uh, a little bit of that intimidation factor sometimes for new people. But if you if you will give it a try and just dip your toe in, everybody is so nice and so welcoming and so happy to have new friends. We're, we're all um, what I have heard called awkward turtles, uh, which was a term that uh, another person at one of our Stony meetups used for us. And I thought that that was perfect. <laughs> we are all these awkward turtles. But when we get together, we can have a lot of fun and it's less awkward. Um, and so I, I do think that Discord is just such a more friendly place. And I hope it stays that way. We have great moderators who really try and stay on top of things and make sure, you know, there's no ship wars. There's no real arguing. We might get into a debate sometimes about things, but there, it's a friendly debate. And everybody is very comfortable with, you know, you do you, like what you like. It's okay. We might have different opinions about things, but, um, you know, it, it really stays very friendly. And so I find that to be a much more welcoming place as far as fandom goes. And it reminds me of, and I'm dating myself again, but it reminds me of the old chat rooms that we used to have back in the X-Files fandom where everybody knew each other. And, you know, you felt like you knew these people and we would meet up and, you know, these were friends. These were true friends. And I think I found that on Discord far more easily than I did on Tumblr, where it still seems like there's just a distance between people there. Um, and Discord just bridges that gap so easily and makes the people behind these names seem like real people. I like that, because I agree. So finally, because I'm, I'm conscious of our time and uh, you know I always want to free you to get back to writing. Um, <laughs> Optimistic, I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for cheerleading. Um, what, what are you reading right now that you would love for us to be reading? Um, do you have any recs for us? I do. Yes. Um, there are several, I'm actually, I'm reading, uh, Ferret's Pride and Prejudice work in progress right now. If people are reading that, they should definitely be reading that. It's fantastic. Um, but going back a little bit, um, one of my favorite writers is Winter Star and one of my favorite series of hers is one called This is the Battle, This is the War, which is a BDSM series uh, that takes place really in, in, in canon where, you know, some BDSM, you know, it's like the world where there are subs and doms and all that. And this, this isn't, this is a canon based world. And she just sets up the relationship so well and makes it believable why these characters would be like that and would find enjoyment in it why they came together so well. I love how she writes them both as being awesome. Um, and it's one of those, it's an older series, but it's one of the first ones I read uh, when I started reading uh, back in 2014. 
and I really encourage people to check that out. The first in the series is Objects in Motion. And that's, you know, them basically getting together and then it follows through their whole relationship, but it's really wonderful. Um, and another one that I would encourage people to try uh, is a work in progress by uh, the Vorkosigan. I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, but it's called To Cross the Red Line. And it's got seven chapters so far. It's a work in progress, but it is so good. It's a, a set in space. It's a Battlestar Galactica fusion, which if you haven't read Battlestar Galactica or watched it or anything, don't feel like you're not going to be able to get into it. I've watched maybe one season of Battlestar and dropped out, uh, but you don't need to know that for the fic. It's fantastic and really enjoying this totally different setting, but, you know, keeping the characters true to themselves. Uh, it's, been really fascinating. So I would encourage people to check that out. It's called To Cross the Red Line by Vorkosigan. Um, and my third wreck, which I think I always end up um, wrecking somehow, one way or the other, uh, is, and I'm going to butcher the Italian, I'm sorry, but it's uh, Voglio Sentirti by Lackluster Lexicon, uh, which is not for everyone. Uh, you've got some armor kink, uh, uh, BDSM uh, post- Civil War, uh, very rough, um, but there's just so much depth to it. And it's just one of the most fascinating fics I think I've ever read. It's just heartbreaking, but I love it. Um, and you, you can definitely read it as trans, Tony. Um, you know, you mentioned that earlier that we were seeing more of that. It can be read that way. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. And I just think it's so interesting and, and such a unique take on it. It's one of those that you read and it sticks with you and you find yourself thinking about it later. Um, so I would really encourage people to check that out. It's definitely not for everyone. So mind the tags, but uh, mm -hmm. if that is your speed, um, you know, I, I really encourage people to give that a try. Uh, honestly, there's just so many out there and I, <laughs> I wish I had more time for reading than I do these days. Um, and you know, that that's always, one of the reasons I appreciate the recs on Discord so much and what you guys are doing with your recs because, you know, bringing attention to these fix that people may have missed uh, because maybe they're not by a name that they recognize and so they just scroll past them on AO3. It's so easy to do. I find myself doing it and I know I'm missing out on a bunch of great ones. Um, so I really appreciate people bringing those recs forward and, you know, I'm always encouraging people to you know, rec stuff on Tumblr. And if I've missed something on my rec blog with the master list, if, you know, somebody has an idea that for a fic that should be on there that I've missed, you know, to please let me know. Um, but I really do want to try to bring some attention to these other authors. And because I know how much I appreciated it when people did that for me. I got so excited when I was able to, you know, be on a rec list. Yeah, I think somebody put me on a rec list like at the end of the year and I pretty sure I cried. So like, yeah, it's a really, we have a beautiful pay it forward kind of vibe. Um, and I really hope we can keep that going for sure. Um, so, and then just out of curiosity yeah, of all the beautiful things you've written, what are you the most proud of? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, I think I'm most proud of a higher form of war because that was my first long fic. I finished it, I wrote it. it you know, it felt like writing a novel. Um, I, I, it has everything in it that I love. It's probably the fic that is most self-indulgent for things I like. Um, and I'm, so I'm proud of myself for that. 
<laughs> I'm proud of myself for trying some new things recently. <laughs> so we've had, you know, Octo Tony, we just had one with eggs. Um, you know, so kind of branching out a little bit. I mean, when I started, I was definitely like, we're, you know, just going to stick to the kind of plain vanilla stuff. And gosh, this ABO, I would never touch that with a 10 foot pole. And, you know, here I am a few years later, writing tentacles and eggs and stuff. So, you know, branching out a little bit and challenging myself to try some things. Uh, that's been fun. But probably the, the thing that I should be most proud of is really just the first one and doing it just putting myself out there and doing it because it's always easier to not write. Always, always easier to just think of the story in your head for yourself. Mm -hmm. Writing is a chore, it is effort, it is, you know, time and frustration. And so just to have done it is an accomplishment. And I hope that every other writer out there feels that way, that just the act of doing it you should be proud of it because it's just always easier to not do it. So the fact that you did it and you shared it is amazing. Um, so, you know, ultimately, I guess I should be most proud of the first one and just trying something that's scary. I completely agree. Um, so Saber, thank you so much for your time. Um, everybody listening, everything that Saber mentioned links wise will be in the show notes. So don't fear that uh, we, cause we will inevitably mispronounce everything on this podcast. Let me just, let me just throw that out there right now. So don't worry, we will make sure you've got links so you can chase everything down. Saber, thank you so much for your time. For having me. I am so excited to listen to all of your podcasts. So I really can't wait, you guys. Thank you so much. So we're going to talk about Discord as part of our community conversation. Um, I said before that I was kind of there for the early days of Discord becoming a home for fandom. It was the, so just to start with what Discord is, if you don't know, um, it's a live group chat program. Um, it was sort of born after Slack was around for a little while, which is, similar, but it has a business focus. And Discord was originally created targeted towards gamers. And you'll see that in a lot of the way that it's branded. The little icon is a game controller, which I think not everybody actually, I think it can be kind of um, hard to see that, but it is. Uh, and so it became this place for people to play games together and get together and talk about the video games that they like. As other places started to get less comfortable to be in, or they died off, like, Live journal disappearing and MZ, which was around for a while and then died. Um, Discord just happened to land at a right moment to draw a lot of people in as a way to connect with other fans. And it's also fairly unique in that, um, I mean, I, I can't say it's unique because IRC was where all this live chat kind of thing started. But in terms of what the other popular social medias are for fandom right now, it's unique in that it is a live, uh, a live text chat that moves at real speed. A lot of people coming into Discord have only had experiences with maybe Twitter being the, the fastest interaction they've dealt with with social media and, um, and Tumblr. So you're reblogging and you have space to, to put your own thoughts, but it's, it's contained, you have time, you can reread them. Whereas a live chat, might seem intimidating at first. But the great benefit of having a live chat is 
how quickly you can connect with people and how many people at one time can be participating in a conversation and still have it balanced instead of creating all these separate trees of replies um, or endless nested forum sections. Yeah, uh, like that was the thing about Slack is like everything had to be like nested and it was like, what is happening? How do I find what's going on? Discord has none of that. Yeah, the Discord itself is divided into servers. This, the Discord itself is just is just a landing place, but within it, you can host servers. And each server is divided into categories of channels, and each channel is generally a topic for discussion. Um, and in that channel, it's just a straight text chat like you might have seen in IRC, or if you use Facebook Messenger, it's like that, but with a group of people. And the wonderful thing about it is it's totally open it's free you can create your own server you can learn all the tools to build them yourselves and that means that fandom has the freedom to build the spaces that people want to be a part of yeah and so there are servers that are massive so let's say that too like there are servers for a lot of different purposes so there are servers for that are focused on characters um, and ships there are servers that are focused that are pretty much event servers and that's where you get the like information on events um and for a lot of people i've in my short time in fandom a lot of folks who don't really know where to start with discord tend to start with event servers and that's a really great place to start i think um but breaking into established discords like so let's say you're listening to this and you're like you know what i would love to find a thousand people to talk about stony with Good news for you. The we, links we have this, those people. <laughs> we, ha we have some folks for you to meet. Um, the same with like I know some really. There's a huge Stuckoni server. If you like Bucky, Tony, and Steve together, a massive Stuckoni server that would love to. Everybody would love to meet you. Uh, I I'm in a Bucky Nat one. I'm in a Steve Bucky one. Sam Bucky, like all of them. So there's all those, and we'll link a few of them in the in the show notes that we're aware of. There's always servers that we are not aware of. So the best way to find those out is to head to our Discord server where our mods are going to be making sure that, that we can connect you to places that you want to be. You can also end up sort of lily pad jumping from server to server because you'll jump into one, you know, maybe you start in a Steve Tony server and that helps you find a Steve Sam server. And then that helps you find a Sam Bucky server. So once you start getting in and connecting, you can, you can just sort of, join whatever looks interesting and stick around with the ones that grab you. Absolutely, because the thing is, every server has its own set of rules and every server has its own culture. So there are servers that are much more intense on like offline life chat than they are in talking about the ship itself, for instance. Mm -hmm. There are servers that are really, really ship focused to the extent where you can't talk about another ship on the server, but the one that's there for. So there's different rules in different cultures. So when you show up to a server, you're going to be headed hit towards a landing page, which is going to ask you to read the rules and kind of say who you are. This can be anything you want, pretty much. You're going to be asked to confirm your age, I think, on every server. Um, only the generally only the ones that are um 18 plus, plus. Okay. there are there are definitely there are fewer but there are definitely all ages servers out there and i will link the ones i know about um i think you have you know you have to be over 13 to use the discord app itself okay. um and not every server do you have to be over 18 but a lot of them are restricted to 18 plus yeah like i have a couple that i'm 16 plus and so they still want age verification yeah. but it should tell you that i am basically like filthy minded that most of mine are 18 plus so <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there um but 
So you're, and then beyond that, you're going to get a list of channels and it's going to be a thing. My biggest tip for walking into a server that's already like 800 to a thousand people is to actually go ahead and mute nearly all of the channels initially. You can do that. You can mute individual channels and then kind of open them up one by one. So like, if you are not somebody who wants to talk about art all the time, mute that channel at first until you get to know other people. Um, until you feel comfortable at the, at the speed at which every channel is going. Cause even within a server, there are channels that are quieter than other channels. And so kind of, as you get to know muting, all of muting means is that you're not going to get a notification that something new has happened, which helps. I think the overwhelm, if your entire, if the entire server isn't lighting up all the time, telling you that you have something to pay attention to in that server. <laughs> It can really, you spend so much time jumping around trying to catch up on each channel that you trying don't stop up. and actually talk to anyone. Yeah. And the best way to make friends in Discord is to spend enough time in one or two channels at first to make sure that you get to know people because Saber brought this up in our interview and Ferret and I talked about this a little bit in earlier on in the pod. Fandom is about people. And the best bit of Discord is that you get to, you get to talk to them like, I mean, because we are actual friends instead of just someone you interact with on Tumblr in a different kind of environment. Because like Ferret brought up just now, it's a real time conversation and it moves feckin' fast mm -hmm. um, a lot. Sometimes it doesn't. But like if, it, if people get going, they get going. Um, so that's my biggest tip for for doing it. Never be afraid also to leave a discord that you don't like. Mm hmm. There is no penalty. Just go away. And if five months from now you decide to go back, no okay. one's going to be mad. Yep. And no if they are, you don't want to be there anyway. This is um, another one of those curate your own fandom experience situations. You can pick the servers you want to be in and uh, no, it's no one's business but your own. Why? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of that too, just really quick, I want to address the idea of clicks because I hear this a lot on a couple of the servers that I I've actually, I've been asked a couple of times that I've, I've, people have said to me on Tumblr and other places that they felt they were scared to join or they didn't know who to talk to because they were afraid of it being too clicky. That's fair. And I get, I get that, especially because when you're just lurking in a channel, probably at any given time, there's probably 10 to 15 people talking. Um, and then it moves on really quickly and there can be 700 talking, but you can't really see that. You just see a bunch of people talking back and forth. There are inside jokes on a lot of servers because people have been together for a long time. Um, and that's truth. I would encourage people to think about the difference between a group of people who all happen to know each other and are would love to have new friends mm -hmm. and a group of people who don't want new friends. And that's the difference between a group and a clique. But yeah, that's an excellent distinction. And I think the one of the important parts of that distinction is that if you come into a group and you see a bunch of people enjoying each other's company and having those jokes, it may feel exclusionary to you because you you don't have that. But the truth is the reason that they're behaving that way is because they like each other and they've they've all made each other feel welcome. So that that positive energy is something you can become a part of. Yes. And it can be hard and it's not for other people. There's a couple servers that I was on where I was really excited because I thought the vibe was going to be right for me, but it did to me end up feeling clicky. And so I left those servers Yeah, because it just wasn't for me and that's fine. I have found home in some other servers. We're going to talk about the pot server a lot on this. Mm -hmm. um, our server is, our, is populated as we record this right now with honestly just a giant group of lovely people who Very would lovely. love to meet anyone who is listening to this right now. 
Absolutely. Um, come out and come, come out and meet us. And I think we're a pretty good starter server because we're small, first of all, but also because we're a lot of us are in a lot of different servers. As I'm looking through the list of people, we can connect you out to other places really easily. There's a um, central network here for sure. Yeah. And we also have um, we have channels for for talking about your your personal life instead. If you're if you feel um, shy, maybe about talking about the topic of the podcast or a specific ship or anything, and you just want to chat with people to, to get comfortable and make some friends, that's an option there too. Absolutely. And then there's, and then the sky is the limit from there. Um, if you are somebody, we're going to talk about events a lot on this pod because we both um, <laughs> we run them <laughs> and participate in them and love them. Um, but if you are perhaps thinking of starting an event, a lot of bingos these days have servers. That's a great way to get involved and brainstorm with people if you're a creator. Um, a lot of events have their own servers. Um, and those are really great. Those are really great ways to even engage not only with, with people on a people to people level, but a creator to creator level. The event servers also, um, sometimes events can feel sort of isolating if you have to keep your project a secret until it's posted. Um, maybe you have a partner you're working with or maybe you're working on your own and it can kind of feel like, normally I would ask, I would ask, you know, for someone's help or just some motivating or cheerleading or whatever. And that's not an option when you have to be secret for an event. But a lot of times, if there's an event Discord server, you, you, you're free to discuss your project in the server. So you yes. should check the rules for the specific Discord. but if you're feeling a little lonely in an event, that's that's a great way to connect with other people who are in the same boat. Yeah, because like I've ended up in this place right now where I'm in far too many bangs, and so I'm writing a, like I'm writing thousands. <laughs> There's a relatable mood. <laughs> There's a mood. I know, but like I'm writing thousands of words a week, and no one is reading them, and so I'm like in my little corner, being like, no one is going to like my pics. Yeah, I did this to myself, but these servers are perfect places to share. So, exactly. and I'm getting really good feedback, which is lovely of people. So um, motivating. Yeah. Because like, let's just deal, let's right now do away with the myth that if you're writing, you, the writing should be its own reward. Guys, that's not how this works. <laughs> Feedback is not just motivating and validating, but it's another form of connection. And that's why we're here in fandom to connect with people. So you should absolutely feel wonderful about forming those connections in all the myriad of ways there is in fandom to do that. Absolutely. And in groups of people, this is just kind of one of the last things we'll talk about in terms of discord. It is very, very possible that very difficult conversations are going to come up on servers, mm -hmm. even in servers with really strong rules about not having those conversations. Humans are humans and we get carried away in conversation um, and mods are only around so often and all that kind of stuff. So a really big rule of thumb, Ferret and I would both say is to remember to be kind as often as you can and to remember that everybody around you does not automatically agree with you about everything just because you both happen to like the same superheroes. Yeah, it's it's, it's important very, to take a take a breath sometimes and acknowledge that your life experiences may not be universal. And additionally that if something makes you feel uncomfortable or a conversation is about a topic that you don't like or even just that it's three people who don't share your opinion and you're the only one at the moment that is on your side you can always step away, mute that channel for a while, mute the whole server if you need to, come back later in an hour, in a day, in a month, and that's fine. Absolutely. Muting is a gift from the Discord deities that we should all use. No one will know what you have muted. That's Absolutely your own business. Absolutely no one. <laughs> and spoiler alert, no one knows if you have your DMs muted either. So if oh, you yeah. have those conversations in private and it's too much for you, like there's, there's ways to do that too. Just remember 
because we are, this is a text-based communication, emotions can run really high really quickly, but, but you cannot read tone. Emojis are helpful, GIFs are helpful, but give yourself and other people grace um, as we are learning to have relationships with each other entirely over text. In, um, what am I at, like five or six years of having these um, text conversations with people, I, I really feel like the most important thing I've learned is to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Just assume they meant that in the nicest way possible. And even if they didn't, you're, you're still living in a more positive world for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are all here to have fun. It's a hobby. Let's take a deep breath and remember that. And we say this to ourselves as well. So this is not a judgment statement on anyone else. It's just tips and things we have to remind ourselves to do as well. Absolutely. I have, everyone has their moments. <laughs> yes. Um, I've also been asked a few times, or I've seen people get excited about starting their own servers. Um, Ooh, and I just point. wanted to briefly say the great thing about Discord is you absolutely can host your own server. It's free. It's it's open. You can set it up to be whatever topic you want. You can set up whatever channels you want. It's a very flexible system and it has a lot of power to it for organizing people. But I will also issue um, a caution that people are people. And if you have a publicly available join link, you have no control over how many people may be interested in joining your server. Um, and I do think it's important to learn a little bit about roles and permissions a little bit about structures of channels, how you can protect yourself from bots, that kind of thing before you, before you charge in. So the best way to figure out how to run us or how to own a server is to join servers, get to know people, get to know Discord, volunteer to mod a server you already like, that'll get you in the back end of things. And then if that feels good, I, I highly recommend um, starting your own server, but go in with some, uh, some experience under your belt. Yeah, and that's the tech side, because my response is that, like, it takes a lot of time to nurture a community, so, like, think about what you're doing, too. Like, For it's sure. a lot. Building a server is a lot of work. So You want, just, you yeah. want it to be something you're going to enjoy because you're passionate about the, the topic yeah. and the people, and you want to connect with those people. Um, definitely, it does happen that someone gets enthusiastic, they start a server, a lot of people join it, and they lose passion for that subject or that ship or that canon or whatever it is, and they want to step away. Yeah, so either make sure that, you, that you're really engaged with the topic or set yourself up so that there's someone you can hand it off to if you change your mind. Yeah, teams are important in everything. So it's not just... Really? I don't think any... I would never run a Discord server by myself. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's all a team effort. Yeah, I would do very little by myself. I just, I'm the biggest fan of delegation. <laughs> but that's a separate topic for another time. But. <laughs> So in terms of servers, we will definitely just our two main ones, the one that for our podcast and the one that we were born out of put on the suit. Um, but please check our show notes from, for a whole lot of other ones, especially if you are not an MCU person, please know that there are tons of comic servers as well. Um, and on top of that, if there's a specific server that you're looking for, um, you can get, you can poke us on our social media or ask in our Discord channel and we'll start the network going and see if we can find anybody that has that server for you. Absolutely. Because the likelihood is that it exists and it is tiny and would love for you to come and join. Most of the time, all you need is to throw it out there in the universe that you're looking for something and the little hand will wave. There's, there is a, like a public registry of Discord servers, but you have to choose to have your server put on it. And most small fandom server, servers don't do that. So it really is a matter of, of connecting to the network and um, sniffing things out. But um, I know uh, all of us here at 
on the podcast are happy to help you sniff. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> consider us your golden retrievers. Uh, nifflers, if we could nifflers, do. yes. Yes, well, uh, oh, that's a good. That'll that'll end up being a role on the. I, I can see that becoming a role. <laughs> hey, so yeah, if you're out there and you know a lot of Discord servers and you want to come be a Discord niffler on our server, come on down and let us know. Oh, that would be amazing. Now it's time for the plug, our segment where we're going to have a longish conversation about a certain fic. Today's is from Kundi Sheik, and we want to thank her for letting us chat about her work this first time out. So we're going to be talking about Keep Boredom at Bay, which you may know as the dick pic fic, <laughs> because it does actually include dick pics. Real, actual dick pics, which was a bold move, but uh, really worked for me. <laughs> it worked for me, too. So there's a couple things here that just blew my mind. One is that the, well, like, so it's uh, largely told in text messages, for anyone who hasn't read it, the premise is that Tony accidentally, I'm using air quotes here because I do not believe it was, um, <laughs> accidentally sends Steve a uh, picture of his sweatpants where he is very clearly aroused. This is sometime after New York in, the, in our canonical timeline. They are not like friends. Um, but they are certainly colleagues and they have each other's phones. But like one of the fun things about the fic is that their names for each other evolve throughout. I loved that. I actually like, had to go back and check because when I realized it was happening, I wanted to go back and see all, I, I did it. I clicked entire fic and I just went through and like found yeah. all the different names that they had in there. Yeah. And so like it evolves from Steve, from Cap, like he's like in his phone is, you know, Anthony Edward Stark at the beginning mm -hmm. and he becomes Ant like Tony Stark and it kind of goes on from there. Um, but it is not only told those in text messages, which if anyone has read my fan fiction, you know that I use text messages like a fool. Um, it's not only in text form. She actually did a skin where it looks like an iOS like iMessage. Yeah, so in AO3, AO3's actually got a lot of power that we don't always explore, but you can use HTML coding and these work skins to actually um, set it up so that it looks like that. It's not an image that she made and saved. It's it's a work skin you can put right into your into the, the code part of your fic. So, so like she actually, put it as text messages and the code did that graphic work is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh There's actually, um, we're gonna link in the, in the show notes uh, to a guide that she shared that she used in order to do that. And some of the other resources you can look into for doing cool work skins. Cause it's definitely not the only thing you can do. Uh, it's really powerful. You can do some cool stuff. That's amazing. And so like throughout the fic you have, it really looks like what we're reading cause we are in the world of this fic from Steve's phone, his conversations with Tony and how it evolves. And they're joking about memes and their selfies they send to each other and the way their language evolves. There are times that Tony is really, really drunk and he is texting, drunk texting like all of us drunk text. <laughs> there are times that his grammar is perfect. And that's when Steve's like, oh, this is, must be when Jarvis is typing for you. Um, there are times where they joke about like how emotions are really terrible. And then there are some other really, really sweet moments. And so I don't, I don't know about you guys and Farrah and I have talked a little bit about like generations and kind of things, but like um, fandom especially is a text-based thing. Like we all know each other through text. Um, the, I make jokes all the time that some of my very closest friends, I have no idea what their voices sound like. <laughs> Now and you all know what our voices sound like, but for a yeah. lot of you, this is the first time. 
Yeah, you're welcome. I'm sorry, depending <laughs> on what you think about my voice. Um, and so it's a really different level of intimacy than hearing someone's voice and being able to hear inflections than inferring inflections from text messages. But I felt the intimacy like even more than I usually do through prose. Yeah, I think that was, it's just kind of an interesting evolution of an epistolary format because yeah. we're not, you get to see everything and use it also using the skin added the extra layer, like you said, of seeing their names and, and all of that. It gives it the actual images she used. She drew art for it. So there's everything that's in there is, is real and shows up as it would in an actual conversation. And so it, it's it's definitely adding an extra layer, an extra tone to the way that they talk, so that everything that you lose with the lack of prose, all that diving into people's heads and being able to say exactly what they're feeling, what you lose from that, you gain all these new layers that we can't put into prose. Yeah, like I was thinking, we all know what it means when somebody is just really quick, like texting and there's typos and you don't go back and change them versus like there's a level of that where it's like I don't like that is enough of a sentence to me in a way yeah I can imagine Tony lying on his sofa with a bottle of Glenlivet three quarters of the way down (laughs) drunk texting with one thumb yeah versus when he was really clearly trying to make sure he could tell Steve he loved him and then just as we're so there's going to be spoilers for this fic just know that if you haven't read it yet stop right here go read it. Mm-hmm. It flies. It is so fast. Mm-hmm. It looks like a lot of chapters and a lot of words, but you'll just, you'll dr- dive right through it. You'll dive right through it. I read it very quickly, even, and I know I'm hearing some of my friends roll their eyes because I'm a famously fast reader, but like, no, this is wonderful. It really is. Um, th- this, we, we ex- experience them finding Bucky through text message. And it, it it's, you know, if you just hear that, you're, the instinct is to say well, that can't possibly be as emotionally impactful as being inside somebody's head and nope, you know, it was worse. close third person. It's, it was worse. It was it was you almost you fill in the blanks with your own feelings. Also, because how many of us in some relationship where you've been in a fight have looked at a wall, have looked, picked up your phone and seen that you've sent the last 20 text messages. Yeah. Or you send a text and that feeling of waiting for the person to read it and write back and how scary that is, I really felt that through the whole fic. I mean, through the difficult parts. (laughs) Gosh, I mean, I am somebody who really loves exploring Tony and Steve's emotions around finding Bucky. Um, I'm also a Stuckoni shipper, so like there's a lot of ways that this can go for me. Yeah, for me too. But I haven't felt it that viscerally in a while, in a fix I've read. It really hit me and I was, semi unfortunately i was reading this as a whip as it went which i don't normally do but um Kanishik was updating uh almost every day or sometimes multiple times a day so it would just it, just, it was right there and i kept managing you know i couldn't save them up i just had to read them so i ended up on a couple of cliffhangers that were really hard 24 hour wait so uh but you know that was what the characters were going through a lot of the time too so it, it that really hit me i loved also the con- the side conversations they um they both have side conversations with the other people's like wing people. You get little, these little other moments and the the only cues for that are the structure of the iMessage skin. So you can see that there's a different name at the top. You can try and guess who it is based on the 
name and then through the context of the conversation it comes out pretty quickly who you're talking to and again just a real reminder that we as a fandom understand that nobody is an island and there's no way that these two men would be dating in life <laughs> without Sam, Natasha, Clint, Rhodey, and Pepper all up in their business. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of support and a couple of shovel talks. So many shovel talks via text message. It Sam's my one of my favorites in this. We don't think I don't think we get enough in our fandom. I don't think we get enough Sam Wilson. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping um, that this can inspire some more Sam and Steve buddy. Uh, uh, tropes. I don't know what word I'm trying to use. Yeah. Using the text messages also gave this the a more voyeuristic aspect, even more so necessarily than you get from maybe email or letter epistolary, because you really felt, you know, if, especially I was reading it on my phone and it was like, it really felt like I was holding someone else's phone and reading their messages. And when, when things got raunchy and when they were sending pictures back and forth, it really, without ever having to bring in voyeurism as a kink within the fic, there's an inherent voyeurism to the way that we're reading it and consuming it that I thought was really engaging. And it went beyond sexual too, because we got this sort of emotional voyeurism of seeing this difficult transitionary period in their relationship where first they figure out what they want from each other and then you know they start flirting and it gets sexual and and they become closer friends and that just kind of all evolves naturally and then we go through this challenging part in their relationship so you really feel included but in this kind of almost naughty voyeuristic way where you're peeking in and reading their phones when they're not there a really interesting point yeah and i am not somebody who saves dick pics on my phone just spoiler alert (laughs) me neither uh, it's just not my jam so at one point i was reading this on my phone as well and mr flame looked over from his side of the couch (laughs) um and i was like fanfic just it's fanfic he was like they put that in fanfic and we got this whole great conversation about what does it mean when people send dick pics and what does that look like and all those kind of things so i've been thinking about that for a while as well um, and to, to that end, I know I communicate a lot of emotion these days through memes yeah. and gifts. And I am not somebody who is shy with using my words. None of you are shocked. And I don't ever feel necessarily at a loss for words, but memes are still often just better. Pictures are better. So when we think about what the dick pics in this fic were communicating, but also like the llama memes... <laughs> Yeah. What what does it say visually in ways that we in a lot of other fics don't get a chance to do? Uh, although now that I know skins, they may be showing up more in my fix because this is a really great example of of a real emotional genius. Yeah, it really it really touches something different that we get to see, and it it speaks to what, like you said, about text chat already being something that we relate to as a group of people using images to communicate something beyond like there's an idiomatic meaning behind a lot of the memes that we send and we can communicate a lot more sometimes with a gift than we could in words. So to see, to be able to get that from a fanfic as, as well, it's just these sort of layers upon layers that really spoke to me. And I think spoke to the thousands of people that loved the story. Uh, Yeah. I've never seen anything blow up so quickly and I was so delighted by it. Like, I did not read it as a whip, and but I saw 
the server, the pot server, lose its collective mind whenever Kundi posted another chapter. Yeah, it really became a bit of a cultural event, which was, it's always fun to, to see that happen and be a part of it. And I hope that um, Kundi enjoyed the, the process and the feedback and everything. Yeah, we're sorry if we overwhelmed you, and at the same time, we're not. Yeah, because, you know, you did this to us, so <laughs> you yeah, get this correct. <laughs> well, Barrett, I could go on about this for a whole lot longer, but I'm going <laughs> to hit pause here so that it can be a bit of a summarized conversation. Did we cover everything? Is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much everything. I, I did want to speak sort of in a broader sense to some people who are maybe thinking about creating a fic that has this epistolary aspect, whether you're using emails or texts or um, any other kind of, of straight communication like that, um, is there's always this difficult question of, can I tell the whole story in epistolary only? Or should I switch to prose? And if I'm going to switch to prose, when should I switch to prose? And I think Kundi made some good choices here in that we can we see the cues very easily when it's going to switch to prose. And it switches there when they're together. So their communication would be dead. But these are still moments that we want to get to see as the reader. So having I find that in writing that kind of structure, if you choose from the outset, whether you're going to have a trigger that creates those prose moments, or if you're going to do the whole thing in epistolary, the hardest part is how you're going to end it generally, because you want to have that peak moment of emotional satisfaction. And you have to decide if that's going to come in prose or if it's going to come in the epistolary format. So I was, I was impressed with her choices and I think it flowed really well. And it was really nice that we got to see both the epistolary, which you can read really fast and it feels really, um, easy to consume and then some of the harder hitting prose parts or the deeper emotional connection there. Yeah. And even like the scene that I thought was going to be nothing, which was the karaoke scene. I was like, Oh, this will just be really fun was one of the most emotionally impactful of the whole time. And she did that through prose and it would have had to be through prose in order to get the way she wanted to craft that scene. And that was uh, really, really beautiful. Yeah. I really agree. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it raises some, some cool things to think about that go beyond just a single fic, but speaking to fic writers particularly, then um, to think about epistolary as a format, which doesn't get a huge amount of attention and different ways that you can add those extra layers to it and make it as powerful or even more powerful than prose. And to boot, it is wonderful. So on top of all of that, it's just a really fun fic too. It really is. So huge thank you to Kundi Sheik for being super brave and letting us do our first plug episode about her fic, Keep Boredom at Bay. Again, the link will be in the liner notes. And we hope that after you hear this, um, if you haven't already paused it to go read it, that you're going to run out and read it right now. So if you follow me, Ferret, on Twitter, you might have seen that I've been running this little silly poll game or competition that I call trope off. Um, I started it, I want to say about six months ago. Maybe oh my God, that long? long? Okay. I don't, I don't know. There's no rhythm to when I post them. So <laughs> I potentially should have had a schedule, but uh, I did not foresee it being as much of a thing as it has become when I started it. But the idea is on Twitter, you can post polls that people can vote um, 
people can vote in and it doesn't show you who voted for what. So people, I feel, feel really uh, comfortable voting for the truth. Um, Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And that'll be yeah. fun because we're going to start doing polls too. So we people are definitely going to do some that. polls. So yep. if you want some like practice getting into Twitter polls and, and voting for stuff, then I, I think Trope Off is a good place to start for now until we start posting on Plotscast. Um, but I just picked 25 tropes and I'll admit there may have, I tried not, I tried to be varied, but possibly there was some bias there, but I am also open to running around two if people come up with 25 more tropes that they want to see. The idea was every poll is two tropes. It's double elimination. Okay. 25 tropes in the running and we're pitting them all against each other until we find out what's the ultimate trope. That's every, I'm hesitant to say everybody's favorite because I recognize that I, the only question that is asked on each poll is which do you prefer? Yeah, so it's almost like just like the king of trope mountain for the media. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just whoever happened to come out on top. And I think there's a lot of factors. It's interesting. I I post the trope off announcement in the pots um, server whenever I post them, and so I'm starting to get to see how people respond to them. And some people are super upset that they have to pick because they want to pick both, and Twitter won't let you. Um, I'm usually that person. I'm like ferret. Why are you putting <laughs> these ones against each other? Um, I don't get very much hate, but the most anger that I've had in the last couple of months has been, "How dare you make me choose on your ball?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take. It. I'll be that person. The reaction has been really fun and, and some of the results have really surprised me. So I just kind of wanted to go over sort of what had happened so far and get people up to date if they haven't been following Trope Off and if they want to, to get in and start voting. Um, anyone's welcome to vote as long as you have a Twitter in any poll. On You don't have to vote in every Trope Off poll and you don't have to have started from the beginning if you want to start voting now. Um, but, but yeah, the big upset for me was... Um, that her comfort has been kicked out. What? I know, that's what I said. So first, it's, its first loss was to mutual pining, which is a really hard first one to be up against. Yeah, because they are I'll very similar. That. Like, that's a, they're kind of shades of the same coin. I think they go in hand in hand a lot. And personally, if I had to pick two favorite tropes, it would be mutual pining her comfort. So. Well, shocking that you're a stony writer and you <laughs> those two. <laughs> I think it's also shocking if you go look at my AO3 and realize half of my stuff is tagged with one or the other. Um, but, but yeah, so it was up against mutual pining 41 to 59. So it was pretty close. Oh, that is. Yeah. And it got kicked into the loser's bracket. And then its next draw, real bummer for her comfort, it was up against ID porn. Oh, and yeah, I went ID porn in that one. I'll reveal mm -hmm. my vote. Because between those two, I'm going to go ID porn. And it, it went 48-52 in favor of ID porn. Oh, that's close. It was close. So her comfort's out. I think that's, I think that's a bit of a shocker. It's, no, I think it's a major shocker. Because I would say that's probably one of the top like five tropes I would think of off the top of my head as one that people would identify as a favorite trope. Yeah. And I think perhaps the interesting thing about whatever results we get at the end of trope off is going to be to ask people to then just maybe name their top three. And yeah, we'll see, that would be good. Yeah. We'll see if that aligns. Perhaps most people's, most people will have some of the ones that got kicked out early on. Some of the ones that didn't win a single contest include hooker au 
Mm, that one's on the wane right now, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's definitely one that seems to trend up and down. Tentacles got kicked out early on. Sorry. Well, that's a crime, but that's okay. We'll cover that later. Non-con, kind of specialized. I can see people who like it, like it a lot, but definitely some people who don't. And I know people um, who read it and who only like who read it and would say that it, they read it, but they have to be in a specific mood. So mm, I think it probably yeah. wouldn't win against anything else. Yeah. Um, Kidfic got kicked out. Uh, Gender Swap got kicked out. Fantasy AU and BDSM AU both got kicked out, and so did Animal Transformation. They all lost all of their battles. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. We've also lost High School College AU. Time travel, secret relationship one one lost two. De aging is out, and so is coffee shop AU. Guys, that means everything I'm writing this year is out. No one's gonna read my fix. Do you know what the most con- next to people yelling at me and being angry that I've made them do this? The next most common thing people comment about trope off is asking if I'm going to if I'm gonna write the winner. Ooh. Which is like, I can almost guarantee you I already have, but, you know, maybe I'll do Fair. something extra for it. Fair. And on each question, suggesting um, prompt ideas that include both. Oh my god, I can't, okay, I love our fandom. Like, yeah. that's really fun, because a lot of the ones that I've seen, I'm not super, super de-duper active on Twitter, so I'm sure I miss some of your trope-offs. Yeah, for But, sure. like, a lot of mine have been, like, immediately, like, oh, I wonder how I could combine those. Yeah, that, and that seems to be, I wasn't expecting that as the response, but it seems to be an almost universal urge. And there have been some legitimate, full, fully fleshed out prompt ideas Amazing. Uh, well, that are just a response to seeing two tropes side by side. Ooh, we might need to figure out a way in like future delightful stuff for Potscast is how do we maybe collect some of those ideas so that we can birth some of those things into reality? Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, maybe we can work with the Stony Prompts Tumblr. Oh my God. Yeah, that would be perfect. And then all of our incredible, uh, maybe just besides a Discord uh, Niffler, we could also have Prompt Nifflers. Yeah, that would be great. Not that, not that I need any more ideas. <laughs> no, no more. And I think most of the writers in the fandom probably feel that way too. I know. And my yet. work in progress list is and like yet. three Google pages long, I think at this point. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's, it's kind of a testament to the creativity available to us that all you have to do, even though they're supposed to be competing head to head, all you have to do is write two tropes next to each other and you're spawning all kinds of ideas. And I think, um, I have to say, I mean, I, I, I love running this and this has turned out to be way more fun than I expected it to be and way, way more ongoing than I expected it to be. Um, and you should see the website that I have to track all of the brackets and everything. But um, I think I love more the, the combinations that have come out of it than the, you know, the, the battle results. Yeah, no, I think that's, that, God, that's really, really fascinating. Because really, I mean, like, I think if we were, as a Marvel fandom in general, I'm going to say this, of all the ships that I sail, if we were going to do a mascot gif, it would be that one from the El Dorado cartoon of the two dudes going, oh, both? Both would be both. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So like, I mean, we'll talk about this later in some other segments, but every time somebody says, oh, I, I have this idea, but someone else has already done it and it's so much better, you'll find seven people both. immediately being like, no, 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 write both. it. Both. Or someone saying, should I do this idea or this idea? Both. Both. <laughs> yeah. 
And then usually that's somebody else wailing, that's not helpful. <laughs> so I think before trope op is done and I, we're just, we're, we're over halfway, but just barely over halfway. Um, I think the, the resounding conclusion that I can make is both. Both. The answer, the answer is both. The answer is both. I love it. I love but it. I will, I will be keeping podcast up to date with how trope op goes and, um, you know, maybe we can think of something special to do when we crown a winner at the end. Ooh, definitely hit us up on our, on our contacts. If you immediately just went, Oh, I know what they should do. Make sure to let us know your thoughts. If you've got some ideas, let us know. And if you want to vote in trope op, as I said, they're, they're not on the podcast Twitter. They're on my at festive ferret Twitter. And I'll be posting those polls at completely random intervals that suit me. So you have to follow me. Sorry. If, if, uh, cause I'm currently deal, I'm currently the voice behind the podcast Twitter. So if I remember, I will retweet the, the trope, the trope off stuff, but the best way to do it really is to follow Ferret. And I also, um, I do post them in discord and I'll post them in our podcast discord as well. Like just a link to them. Um, so if you're only in discord, that's fine too, but you do need, I believe to have a Twitter account to be able to vote. So true statement. Yeah. Where this is not an endorsement to join Twitter. Like we are aware. No, if you don't want to be on Twitter, that's fine. And you know, I can't include write in votes in the actual numbers because of the way Twitter calculates it, but by all means you can go in the pots, um, the pots discord server or our podcast discord server and talk about, your opinions even if you can't vote we love opinions in fandom we do and on and this podcast is all going to be about opinions so pretty much yes i had a, somebody I, I somebody once commented on a friend's youtube channel these are two um over like overly qualified or no like overly educated women offering unsolicited opinions i was like <laughs> oh yeah that's the summary of my life <laughs> another tagline we, we're <laughs> yes. creating quite a few taglines yes. over over enthusiastic shippers offering unsolicited opinions that's, there you the, go. that's the podcast theme speaking of things that we're hoping first of all we just want to say obviously this is the first episode obviously this all happened really quick you're listening to this um you know less than two weeks after just, the just idea about, was yeah, born. two weeks um and so we want to thank you ahead of time for all the grace you're going to offer us <laughs> <laughs> all the leeway as we all the leeway all the way our way randomly around in this confusing pool yeah we are, like we've said a couple times in this, and we're going to keep flailing. Um, the support's incredible. We're taking this really seriously. We hope you can see that. We're not trying to throw something together really quick. We are really trying to make sure this is something that can be around for fandom for a while. Um, and But we are definitely going to make some missteps. Throwing spaghetti at the wall is always uh, leads to some messes, but also some really beautiful art. So please... Um, Please hear our deep, deep thanks for joining us so early on this journey. Um, and also our deep, deep apologies for all the ways in which we're going to be awkward. <laughs> and if you've got feedback, we want to hear it. Please be kind, especially as we get our feet under us. But um, we want to hear from you because as we bring it back around to our theme, this is about community. This podcast was born out of community. It's gonna, we're hoping it's going to be part of the community and also build another sub-community into the community we already have. Murray here to tell you all about what goes on challenge-wise in a Marvel fandom near you in our event forecast. 
A little note before I start with the current events is that you'll be able to find everything I mention in the forecast linked and explained in the show notes of each episode over on potondersuit.com. All right, so now for the fun stuff. Uh, the bidding weeks of both Phantom for Australia and Phantom Trump's Hate are now closed. So a reminder that the winning bidders of FFA are expected to show proof of donation by March the 15th, while the receipts of ATH's uh, winning bidders are due March the 6th at 8 p.m. EST. Yesterday was the last day of prompts for the Marvel Halloween Hoopla, which is a happily ever after Marvel multi-ship and fandom-wide prompt challenge. But if you're still working on a fill for the Hoopla and you haven't been able to post it yet, fear not. You have until March the 15th to get them in. The Cap Ironman Riversbang will be holding limited time Discord chats for both the writers and the artists of the event. The first of those chats will happen on March the 8th, and you can help set the time for that by responding to the poll that's up on the Tumblr as well as the community's Dreamwith page. The Cap Ironman Bingo is taking signups and delivering cards until the end of the current round, that is July the 31st. The community's comment bingo is also still running and you can get a card for the round until April the 30th. And finally, the kink meme of the community is ongoing as well and follows the same schedule as the regular bingo, so you can therefore drop or fill a prompt up until July the 31st. These three challenges are open to all creators and members of the community at large. All relevant info, rules and dates can be found on the community's Dreamwith page. The Tony Stark Bingo is also taking light signups until June the 1st, the current round ending July the 4th. Details on how to get a standard card will be put in the show notes. The MCU Kink Bingo is also accepting late signups through its signup link this time, which can be found by searching their blog. The round ends on April the 30th. And last but not least, the Put on the Suits Tony server has announced a new event. The Brad Bucket taking place during the weekend of March the 21st and March the 22nd, members will be invited to say good things about themselves and will enter a prize raffle as a result. So if you're not a part of the server yet, you might consider joining for the fun that that will bring. And if you are, get ready to brag and get prizes for it, Tonys. This has been your Evans Forecast. I'll see you next episode and happy shipping. Wow, so here we are at the end of our first episode. It's just unbelievable. I can't believe how much has gone into this, but also how quickly it's come together, and also how unbelievably excited I am for all the future stuff we have to come. Yeah, and how, again, humbled and honored that we are that the fandom has embraced this so quickly. We can't wait to hear how we can make it even better for you. 
We really, really want to hear from you. Um, we've got all of our social media. Please follow us and engage. We've also, if you go to our website, maybe you're already there, and click on the Participate tab at the top. We've got some forms you can fill out, some different ways that you can get involved. We really want to make this about the entire, the entire Stony community, but also beyond that um, into other ships, other Steve Tony topics as well. And we know that a lot of you are listening, perhaps as you're driving or doing other things, and you couldn't pause and scribble down stuff that we talked about. So please know that on the show notes, there is links to everything we mentioned. And that will be a thing that happens with every single episode. So don't worry that you're going to lose something because you were driving. So you don't have to make, uh, make any notes, just scroll down on the website um, and have a look there. We'll have all the links that you need. We also want to throw out another enormous thank you to our guests on the first episode, Saber CMC, for the interview. We want to thank Taste Like Coconut for being our cover artist this episode. Yeah, thanks for taking a risk on us, guys, and for <laughs> trusting us in this way. It was really wonderful to have um, this participation. Also, just Taste Like Coconut's art about Octotony is one of the most stunning pieces of art I've seen, so I'm just really excited that I get to be part of something it's attached to. It's gorgeous. You're going to hear me and Ferret all the time. And obviously, like, that's part of this podcast thing. But please don't ever think that we are doing this alone. Not only are we grateful to all of you for participating, but we have this incredible staff who has all signed on to help us. You're going to hear from some of them on air. But even if you don't, the behind the scenes work is insane. And we are so grateful for these four folks who just stepped up and without us even asking them to be completely frank, heard about the pod and was like, right, how do I help? Um, so we have Marie, who you've already met, doing our events forecast. Bill Longbow and Rose Rose are going to be helping us out on the Discord. And then Kokuria is our graphics maven. If you have liked any of the graphic design that we have done, that was all done by her pretty much in about 36 hours. It was, uh, was a whirlwind, and she just produced all of this amazing stuff, which we're she so excited insane. about. She is insane, and we are so grateful. Um, and links to connect with all of them on their AO3s are, not, are on the website as well if you want to poke around in their work. They're all wonderful creators in their own right. We also have the whole staff on Discord, so if you want to come talk to me or Flame or anyone else involved, you can come onto our Discord chat and ping one of us, and we'd be happy to have a conversation. We do love, I hope you've gotten that vibe, making new friends. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>